We are the Partnership for the Arts Radio. Come join us as we explore our worlds of art. Partnership for the Arts Radio is located at Virtual Edge 360 in Port Charlotte, Florida. Hello everyone, welcome to Partnership for the Arts Radio. I am your host Dave with our series called The Writer's Circle. So we will be speaking with Stephanie Osborne, an incredible lady that lives in Huntsville, Alabama with quite a fascinating history. Stephanie's not only been involved in over 30 publications and books, but she is also a rocket scientist. That's right. A real rocket scientist. She has worked for NASA, worked with the space shuttle program, and the space station. She is going to be coming on the show with us here in just a minute via web. So I think we are all in for a wonderful treat and going to learn a lot. Stephanie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Stephanie? It's great to have you on the show. appreciate you taking the time, and we've got a lot to cover. Well, uh, yeah, let's, let's get rolling then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Stephanie, you've written over 30-something books, correct? Correct. And you started writing when? Oh, well, I guess it depends on your definition. If, if you're talking about professional writing, my first book was published back in 2009. But if you're talking about writing in general, I've been writing just about ever since I can remember. Something you've just always done. Yeah, it's it's something that it's just, it's always been a sort of a creative uh, outlet, I guess you could call it. And only in recent years has it become something that I'm actually making money at. And, and I'm enjoying it. We talked about doing this interview earlier and you sent us some uh, information back up. I didn't realize that you had been that busy writing that much. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The term prolific has been applied to me, yes. (laughs) (laughs) FYI, uh, Stephanie and I met at a comic book store in town there in in Alabama. We both knew the owners. We sat down and and we started talking, and I think we ended up talking the whole time we were there. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I think, if I recall correctly, I think actually our conversation started drawing people over. You know what? That's right. Yeah, it turned out well. Yeah, that's right. We had people coming over, and that's where I bought your first book. Ah, okay. I have your signed copies uh, there in my studio, setting up there. <laughs> I got to tell you, for professional writing, uh, you said 2009? Mm-hmm. Um, from there to here, be it a novel or just a paper, that's a lot. Well, it is. Those 30-some-odd books, uh, some of them were co-authored. Some of them are anthologies that I'm in. It's not like each one is like 100,000 words or something. Mm-hmm. For me, I put uh, the same amount of effort into a short story that I do into a novel. Right. You know, the background, the, the research, the, the planning, you know, all that. It's, it's the same regardless of, of the length of the story. Stephanie, speaking of that, authors have their own way of starting their book, the idea revolves around something, comes up a certain way. How would you clarify your style of research and setup to write a book? 
Oh, wow. As, as you know, but the listeners may not, my background is in the sciences. I have graduate and undergraduate degrees in four different sciences. I approach it from, from that standpoint. When I write science fiction, I tend to write hard science fiction. It's extrapolations of cutting-edge science. When I write mystery, it tends to be hard mystery. Uh, you look at it and legitimately that sort of thing could happen. I jump in and I, I start digging into the technical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's not if it's not a place I'm familiar with, I start digging into, well, what is there? What does it look like? Uh, what sorts of things are there? What are the dialects like? All this kind of thing. So I do a lot of research for a book. It's, oh, just toss something off and it'll be good. No, that's not the way I work. (laughs) Yeah, and Stephanie, speaking of your background, can we just cover that briefly? Sure. You're up in Huntsville, which, of course, is is Rocket City. Correct. I think most people know that a lot of things started with the history up there in Huntsville that, that grew into, I guess you could say, our space program out of there. Yes, yes. You actually worked with NASA, correct? I was a NASA contractor, yes. I was not a civil servant, but but yes, I, I worked right alongside. I worked in the control center uh, for payload operations for shuttle and then later for space station. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, incredible, incredible. And you have some additional history there with what you've been involved in with aerospace. And I think that kind of leads into your first book. You worked with and knew a member of crew of the shuttle Columbia, correct? I knew a member of the crew of Columbia's last flight, yes. Kalpana mm-hmm. uh, Chawla uh, was an astronaut from India. I believe she was India's first first astronaut. Uh, I may be wrong in that, but I, I think so. And I helped train her for her first mission, which flew back in 1997. I was doing some other things, and there were some other things going on in my life, my husband had had emergency heart surgery in just a few months before the disaster. And so I was kind of out at that point, and I didn't even realize she was aboard the mission. Yeah, so I... I (laughs) Stephanie, are you okay? I, yes. It was kind of a shock. I, I remember it clearly. We got up on Saturday morning, and I toddled out into the den, grabbed the remote, and turned on the TV, and I had left it on the Weather Channel the night before because I had checked to see what the next day's weather was going to be. And it came on to the to the announcer saying, and Shuttle Columbia is 12 minutes late emerging from the reentry com blackout. I mean, you know, I've got the words branded in my head. And I stared at the screen and my jaw dropped open in horror because I knew, based on my experience, that... 12 seconds late emerging from the from the blackout would have been somewhat concerning. 12 minutes, that was catastrophic, and I knew it. And um, in retrospect, what I did next was probably kind of stupid to do to a heart patient. But I turned and I yelled down the hall, Honey, get in here quick. We've lost a shuttle. We, we just sat there in silence together and watched the TV, just kind of in, in shock. And finally, after, I, don't, I, I honestly don't know how long it was, but it was a little while, he turned to me and he said, did you know anybody on board this one? And my response was, oh my gosh, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been following it, 
So I immediately jumped on the computer and started pulling up the crew manifest. And sure enough, KC, we called her KC because Kalpanachala for most Americans is a little bit of a mouthful until you get used to saying it. But KC was on board and I was just shocked and horrified because she and I had kept in touch after that first mission of hers. And so she she didn't often necessarily get up here, but whenever I was in Houston, which for a while there was rel- relatively frequently, I would pop by the astronaut office in between meetings and stuff and go find her. We'd go have a cup of coffee and sit down and, and catch up. So, yeah, it, it was just one of those... One of those just really, really nasty little incidents in life that you just you sit there and you kind of stare at it and you shrug your shoulders and you say, I got nothing. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Partnership for the Arts Radio is located at Virtual Edge 360 in Port Charlotte, Florida. Okay, we are back and we are talking with Stephanie Osborne, an author with quite an involved history in aerospace, including NASA and the shuttle missions. We were talking about those things before the uh, break, including the Columbia disaster. Stephanie, uh, we all want to commend you for wanting to continue in, in telling uh, the story, knowing that what you've told us, the Columbia incident, uh, has a very personal meaning to you. So. Uh, Stephanie, you had started writing a fictional book about a space shuttle incident before the actual Columbia disaster happened, and you had stopped writing that because of that, and it was a mentor of yours that convinced you to continue, correct? Yeah, my first first novel that was ever published, Burnout, The Mystery of Space Shuttle STS-281, I had already finished the first draft of that novel and had put it in the hands of my writing mentor, Travis Taylor. Listeners may know him. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's also starred in several scientific-type reality shows, Rocket City Rednecks, Three Scientists Walk Into a Bar on the Weather Channel, and Travis and I are, are, are friends. He had told me, I'll help you get published. You know, finish your book, let me read it, I'll help you polish it up, and then we'll go looking for a publisher for you. And so I had finished the first draft, and he was in the process of reading it. Um, It kind of freaked both of us out because burnout is about a space shuttle disaster. Now, in the case of my book, this particular space shuttle disaster turns out not to have been an accident. When I was writing it, I was using the Challenger disaster reports. That's the one that blew up shortly after launch. Uh, I was using the reports from that disaster as part of my research material. So it was, this is how they reconstruct it. This is how they determine what happened. This is where they take all the stuff. You know, this is, this is the sequence of events that they, that they follow. I looked at that and I said, well, I don't want to make it too much like Challenger because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm trying to make a profit off of, you know, a, a true tragedy. Sure. And so I said, okay. That one occurred during the ascent phase. I'm going the opposite end of the mission, and I'm going to make my disaster occur during reentry phase. And so then I thought, well, what kind of a mission, where where do I want it to be? I want, since 
since it's going to be seen, I want it to be uh, to overfly these states. Okay, if it overflies these states, that fixes its intended approach to the Cape, and that also fixes its incoming trajectory. So if it has this incoming trajectory, it has to have this orbital inclination. If it has this orbital inclination, that means it can only be working these kinds of missions. You know, this was my logical chain here, and so I backed it up, and so by the time I was done working all that, I had a fleshed out mission concept. Well, it just so happened that Columbia, on its last voyage, was working a similar type of mission, and it had that same orbital inclination, that same incoming trajectory, the same intended approach to the Cape, and therefore had all of the same overflown states. Therefore, the region of breakup was the same. The debris field was the same. You know, basically, I nailed the scenario. The only difference was there were, there were two differences. One was that my fictional scenario was sabotage, and real-life events were just pure dumb accident. And the other is that as a result of the sabotage, my debris field extended out off the coast of Texas into the Gulf of Mexico for a, a short distance. Those were the only differences between what happened real life and what happened in my book. And Stephanie, with that being the case, is that when you decided not to continue with the book? Yeah, I, I came really, really, really close to trashing the manuscript altogether. But Travis talked me out of it. He was like, look, look, look. See, I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how logical a person you are. There's a voice in that part of the brain that says, you wrote it, so it happened. And Travis had to sit me down and just say, look, Steph, you knew your stuff. You have a background. You worked for how many years in this? You understand how missions work. You understand how all the links go together. And it was just the sheer luck of the draw that it wound up being the same. He said, it's a good book. Don't you dare trash it. Here's the things that I would do to polish it so that we can get you published. You do those things, and I'll help you find a publisher. And I said, okay. But the thing of it was, at that point, the emotions were still too raw. And um, I, I, I couldn't do it right then. I had to put it away and get some emotional distance. And so I, I don't remember, six months to a year, I finally picked it up and, and started working on it again. And... It was when the investigation board reports started coming out that I picked it back up. And Stephanie, why was that? Because I figured, well, if I'm going to do this, then dang it, let's do it right and make sure that it's congruent with, with what the investigations are finding. And so I downloaded the reports as they came out, and I reviewed them, and I compared them with my book. Dave, I didn't have to change a word. I I nailed it. I nailed it right down to the last detail. Wow, Stephanie. Let me ask, with you looking at those reports and, and seeing all of that, it had to have affected you. Did it change 
your writing, especially with going forward with the book? I wound up sticking um, a dedication in the front of the book to KC, the crew of the Columbia, and all of our lost astronauts. And it, it kind of stuck in my head, and there were a lot of things that were difficult going forward. I, I did kind of modify a few things about my writing after that because I realized I have to be careful about my writing because, for one thing, I got a lot of people going, oh, you wrote what really happened, huh? I got, you know, I got all the conspiracy theory folks. Right, of course, yeah. I can see that happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... So I realized, especially as I started getting more and more, pulling more and more mystery aspects into my writing, I realized, you know, I have to be careful about this because people are reading this and they're looking at it as this is real. So I don't really want to write something and then have somebody go off and try it and somebody dies, you know. So Uh, Stephanie, wait, Um, I'm sorry, but what do you mean by that? If I if I describe a murder, I leave some of the details out. You know, I don't I don't give somebody a clear cut formula for knocking somebody off. Wow, Stephanie, has this really happened? Well, you know, it's happened to other authors. I was I was talking to somebody the other day and he said, Did you know that James Patterson had that happen? And I was like, Oh crap. Oh, man. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's one of those things that it really stopped and made me think about the things that I write. Well, Stephanie, reviews of your work where you find statements like highly acclaimed, surely another award winner, worlds created that are so in-depth that they become a reality in reading it, and characters with such depth, you know them and can believe in them. So... With comparisons like that, one can see where your concern could be validated. Exactly. And one can see where this could become a major factor in your writing. Yeah, it really does. It really does. And since I have a tendency to combine science fiction and mystery, it's gotten to be something that I really do pay attention to. I, I strive for authenticity in my novels. But at a certain point, I actually very deliberately veer away from authenticity in order to avoid putting things, those sorts of details, into the novels. I can see with everything coming out of that, because you were saying from it changed your form of writing after the Columbia into your writing now and and with others having copycats out there following a book, that's got to take a little bit of a toll and soul searching when you go to write something with with that kind of aspect in mind and, and obviously it's necessary isn't it unfortunately yes it is and and yes it do ta- it, it do take it does t- <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that it does take some soul searching uh from time to time uh, because i i I do strive, I want, okay, there's science fiction, okay, there's only a certain amount of reality that's going to be there, <laughs> but I want to have real characters, real situations, having real conversations. I want to create characters that you can believe are real people, 
that you might meet on the street when you go walking down to the corner coffee shop. And in that regard, it means that I try to create as much reality in the books as I can. But sometimes with, with certain aspects of it, I do have to back up and say, no, I've got to change this. This can't be real. I can't let it be real. This isn't how it actually works, because if I write that down, then sure enough, some kook someplace is going to try it. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of like the disclaimer on, on Mythbusters or something. <laughs> Kids, don't try this. <laughs> Partnership for the Arts Radio was recorded at Virtual Edge 360 in Port Charlotte, Florida. You can find this and other episodes of our talk show on our website, partnershipforthearts.group.org. Okay, we are back with Stephanie Osborne, author, who has worked in the aerospace industry, including NASA with the Space Shuttle missions and the International Space Station. And Stephanie, before the break, we were talking about the Columbia, and you've been gracious uh, in sharing how that experience has affected your personal life, professional life, including your writing. And you were telling me during our last break, it has also given you a new purpose as well, a project called Speared. What is that? The Single Person Emergency Atmospheric Reentry Device, or Speared. I'm a member of something called SIGMA, which is the science fiction think tank. It was founded by Dr. Arlen Andrews. And Sigma is composed of science fiction writers who have technical backgrounds. I was pleased and honored to be nominated by Dr. Jerry Purnell, and my nomination was seconded by Larry Niven. contacted Arlen, and I said, would you mind if I put out a call for people in Sigma to help me with this? Because I understand the concepts and everything. I don't have the material science background the stuff that needs to go into it to build it. I wound up with a couple of, of other partners, Tom Ligon and Arlen himself. We set to work and we actually did some experimentation. We worked on some designs and we submitted an application for patent and the patent was approved. Speared, the single person emergency atmospheric reentry device, is a real thing. The next phase of prototype development and design, which is selecting specific materials, and we also need to run some very sophisticated atmospheric analyses to determine what the shape of the thing should be. Does it need to be a sphere? Does it need to be an aerobrake? That kind of thing. I actually presented it as a paper at the Tennessee Valley Interstellar Workshop as a concept that could be used should something go haywire at the interstellar destination. As long as you are entering atmosphere, so it would work from anywhere in low Earth orbit. It could work if you were going to Mars. All you got to have is an atmosphere and a surface to land on that is something that could be survivable in a spacesuit. So, but yeah, so that's, um, that's what came out of my response to the tragedy was a concept whereby no astronaut, cosmonaut, taikonaut uh, ever need to go through what the Columbia crew went through ever again. Wow. That is just a incredible, wonderful thing this is that you're doing that came out of such a tragedy, Stephanie. And Stephanie, I know we catch up uh, every now and then 
But I have to say, every time we do, I just get more amazed at what you do. <laughs> okay, okay. In closing part one of this interview, I've got to I've got to have uh, some some fun here with uh, some friends, Stephanie. So uh, so uh, be patient with me here. And you know who you are. That every time I brought up the subject of this amazing woman uh, that is a rocket scientist. And you kind of look at me like, you don't really know a rocket scientist. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, we, we do exist. <laughs> we're just running around. Up here in Huntsville, we're a dime a dozen. You know, we're running around all over the place. <laughs> Partnership for the Arts Radio was recorded at Virtual Edge 360 in Port Charlotte, Florida. You can find this and other episodes of our talk show on our website, partnershipforthearts.group.org This concludes part one of our interview with Stephanie Osborne in the Writer's Circle. You can listen to part two on our website, partnershipforthearts.group.org